Good morning, Vineyard. Hey, Paul Busby. Paul Busby, could you be so kind to walk on the outside of that door and flip the fan switch, please? It's like a sauna in here. Sauna. Say good morning to your neighbor this morning. And don't fret if you don't have a neighbor, because we say good morning to neighbors across the way, too, so everybody gets to play. Say good morning to a neighbor far away. Good morning, neighbor far away. And last but not least, to include all of our online people, say good morning to all of our online people. Good morning! Yeah, you can't really wave at them. You have to say it. Well, we're waving. They see us, and that's an extension of their waves. Except for this side of the room. This side of the room didn't wave at all, so I don't know if they're not appreciative of our online people. No one sees you, Jen. You're just back there. That's all I'm saying. Well, what is today? No, today is when Brian and Linda Shirk are in the house. That's what today is. Arizona must be closed. That's why they're here. Yeah, it just it just closed. So good to see you folks. Man, some homecoming from people here today. Well, let's pray, and we're going to celebrate the arrival of our King. Amen? And uh, Pastor Brent's going to bring an amazing message, but just the reality of, you know, Jesus arrives, but he doesn't arrive in the way, in in essence, that we think he should arrive as a conquering king. You don't use conquering and humble in the same sentence so jesus we thank you for just your great love for us we thank you jesus that when we have nothing you have everything we thank you for each person here today we thank you lord that your faithfulness doesn't count on our faithfulness that you pour your love out all over us and into us and then ask us to do it through us. And we thank you for that. Open our hearts to, to receive, open our ears to hear, and open our eyes to see all that you'd have for us today. And please, Jesus, don't let us leave the same way we came. In your name, amen. Amen. So if you can get to your feet, we're going to celebrate. The kids are going to come in and do our traditional palm passing outers. Um, please shut your eyes when they walk by because we are not going to be responsible for any like poking in the eye. But it will all be done in celebration. So, amen? Amen.
Okay, so if you got the palms in your hand, we want as we sing this next verse, hold them high in the air and swing them around. Let's celebrate. Here we go. Praise and the glory. Good job. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to be introducing a new song this morning, and it's along the lines of our Easter theme. We'll be doing it today, and we'll be doing it for Easter uh, Sunday next week. The song is called, This is Our God. And the, the verse says, this is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He bore the cross, and he beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. So when, we, when we think about this, although this is Holy Week starting today, that he did, that he bore the cross and he beat the grave. And heaven and earth did proclaim that this is King Jesus. Amen? Amen.
Time singing out, Waymaker. Here we go. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you Good morning. Oh, 
I'm saying it in short. <laughs> We're glad to see you this morning uh, for Sunday service. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Today begins the Holy Week between Palm Sunday and Easter. Pastor Brent Paulson's Palm Sunday message today is found in Matthew 21, 111. Grab your Bible or cell phone to look up the text. You can also find it printed in your bulletin. We want to thank the uh, youth group for hosting a Easter egg hunt for the kids today, as well as we wanted to thank all of you for supporting us during our bake sale a couple weeks ago. Um, that money is going to go to get the kids matching shirts and go to Mid-Ohio to a race with Marvin. Um, anytime is a good time for popcorn. We have a popcorn fundraiser for our Food Resource Center beginning April 16th. Lots of great flavors, and they're only $15 a large bag. There are no hidden fees. Just popcorn. <laughs> Women's Brunch and Workshop is back. Woo woo! The new study is called What the Woman Saw, Discovering Jesus Through the Eyes of Women. There is no book involved for this study. You don't want to miss it. So sign up. In the lobby, the first workshop starts Saturday, April 22nd, 12 to 2 in the Fellowship Hall. Next Sunday, April 9th, is Easter Sunday. Is Jesus laying anyone on your heart who needs to hear an Easter message? Join us and invite them to come with you. And now Pastor Brent has a few words. Uh, yeah, I, so I sent a video. I don't know if you, you see the video. We sent out Jimmy. Yeah, okay. It's actually high, highly professional. I only uh, exaggerated. No, I didn't exaggerate. I just didn't get numbers right. I thought we get. I said we gave away 500 tons of food, and I was informed it wasn't 500 tons. It was 500,000 pounds or 500,000 tons. I don't know what I said. Anyway, bottom line is, bottom line is we, you know. <laughs> This church has been amazing. You guys have been amazing. So many of you give so much all the time, both your time, your energy, your resource. It is a joyful church to pastor. Um, but this past year, beginning of the year, we started dropping down about 15% in our giving. Um, and I get it because guess what's gone up? Everything. Everything's up. So um, we want to encourage, I just wanted to encourage all of you who, first of all, to thank all of you who are regularly giving and sacrificing, thank you. And those of you who haven't had the joy or the challenge or the privilege, I want to encourage you, as Paul says, to um, grow in the grace of giving. And um, that's something that Teresa and I early on in our Christian life started doing. And we have to remind ourselves sometimes, oh yeah, we need to catch up on this thing. Um, we're, you know, suddenly we're like, Wait, when did we, we need, to, we need to catch up here. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, we need you to, if you can, pray about it, ask God. We're not asking anybody to do anything more than you're already doing, if you're already doing it, but just see what God tells you. And I think you'll be surprised. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thanks. And thanks for being such a cool church.
being said, don't forget today's offering. You can put it in the back of the church. There's a place to drop it off um, at the ministry house. You can give on Facebook. Um, And if you ever want to give additional to Building for the Future, FRC, Kingdom Kids, Youth Group, you can just write it in your memo, and it'll get allocated to that. So feel free, if um, something is on your heart one day, to go ahead and write that in the memo, and it'll get to the appropriate place. Thank you. Uh, next Friday at 7 p.m. Join us for Good Friday service. Thank you. Pastor Brent, I just wanted to share a miracle that happened to me, and it's a big one. I mean, we've been having several miracles, but um, I don't know if some of you may not know that I have two sons. You know, most of you know Michael, but I also have another son named Eddie. He has come to visit a couple of times. He lives in Illinois. He lives right outside of Chicago. Anyways, uh, Friday night, him and his fiance went out to a concert, and um, the weather was kind of bad, and um, when the first band stopped, they had a little intermission, and then him and his friend wanted to go get a beer, but his fiance wanted what he calls a foo-foo drink, so that was at the bar, so they went over to the bar to get the drink. All of a sudden, he looks out the window, and the rain, instead of coming like this, it's going sideways, and then he sees a tree going like this, and then the windows busted out. It was a tornado that hit. He grabbed his fiance. They did, nobody knew where they were supposed to go. Everybody was yelling and help and everything. And he grabbed her. And the first thing he thought was taking her into the bathroom. When they were in there, they heard all kinds of noise. When they came out, the floor, the roof had come down, all of it. And they were on top of people. If, if they had been, if they had stayed where the bands were playing, they would have been crushed like, almost everybody else but like I said she went that way and it was just a miracle of God and um, one of the things I want to tell you is that for a long time I don't know how long it's been every day after I read my Bible in the morning I always pray Psalm 91 over myself and my children and a long time ago I used to worry about my kids all the time because they both do crazy stuff and you know Michael Michael will He'll come down the roof on the bike, all this stuff. So I was just worried about them, and I was really, so I just said, Lord, here's Eddie, here's Michael. Here they are. They're yours. And I gave them to him, and I've never taken them back. And you know what? I just want to encourage you that God is faithful. God is faithful. Like the, like the song says, even when you don't see that he's working, he is working. And he loves you, and he will take care of you. So keep believing, keep praying, because he's on the throne. He loves you, and he still rules the world. Thank you.
Purcell, right? Don't always know what it means. Didn't always know what it means. You know, it's kind of like, all right, Palm Sunday. Um, oh, by the way, before I even start, I got, I want, we do a bracket every year for the um, church, for the uh, March Madness, College Madness. Anybody know what March Madness is? Martin Brackets, no. all that stuff. Yeah. So, for the first time ever, I, I want, yes. So I'm going to do a little happy dance. <laughs> there we go. I almost fell over doing that. That's bad. Um, anyway, yeah, I came in first. Jim actually came in second. I think Noah did. Noah uh, Bishop come in third? Yeah, yeah way to go, Noah. All right. So, Sam, where did you come in? Uh, I, was, I was somewhere in the top eight. In the top eight? There were only nine people. So. <laughs> Okay. All right. There we go. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Oh gosh. Try so, before the fall. Just remember. <laughs> I know. I know. You better watch that, Sam. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm talking about the humble king today. That's it. So when I was doing this, I I always think about, and I've shared this at church, but it, it just was it was kind of a hoot. Many years ago, our daughter Bethany was um, worked up at Pine Ridge Farm. Stirred there doesn't really give the, 
the meaning, uh, really an accurate meaning, because stir it can be like I was sitting there drinking some coffee without hot chocolate and I was stirring it. But stirring actually means seismic. It means like um, an earthquake. And there's two other times when the term stirred is used in scripture in this. And the, one of them is when Jesus is born and Herod and all of Israel was stirred because they heard this Messiah was born. And that's when Herod goes and kills all the boys up to a certain age. So there's a seismic event that's happening. It's something, it's something huge for them. I mean, it was like when the you know, towers fell on 9-11. Everybody's watching the TV and trying to figure out what's going on. And that same kind of thing happens here. It says all the city was stirred or was shaken. And they're asking this one question, who is this? Now, in some ways, they kind of knew who this was because where Jesus comes into Jerusalem was by Bethphage and by Bethany, where Lazarus and Martha and Mary um, grew up and, and lived. And they were friends of Jesus. And Jesus, in that area, had raised Lazarus from the dead. So they already had this expectation that this guy is not just a normal guy. There's something significant about Jesus. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just another you know, wonderful religious leader like Buddha or whoever else. There's, he's, he's like, there's something significant going on. And so they ask, they're asking this question, who is this? Let me read the scripture in Matthew 21. And by the way, um, we're going to do verse 1 through 11, but in some ways you really need to go to the end of verse 20, and we'll get back to that in a minute, because that explains a little bit about what's going on here. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with their colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks anything and says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place, what was spoken through the prophet. See, say to your daughter Zion, see your king comes, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead, and went ahead, and those who followed shouted, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he!" who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, shaken. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> so James Bond got his old name. It's like, you didn't know that. James Bond read his Bible. There you go. Shaken. It was shaken. Um, and asked, who is this? Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, Father, would you come and bless your words? Would you come and pour your power out on us, in us, through us? Would you come and meet all of our needs today, Lord? Everyone who's come in here with 
something hurting, something wondering, some question. And, and for those that aren't even sure why they're here, that you would come and speak to them, I pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And so that question kind of pervades this whole passage. Who is this? And what is happening in this passage is they're trying to explain who this is. Now, they would have understood, and this is the first time in all the Gospels where Jesus actually allows himself to be recognized as the Messiah, as the King. There were expectations for thousands of years that there would come this person who would, who would make things right, who would transform things. In fact, way back, and, and this is a, my point here, is that he is the intentional confrontational king. He's very intentional here about letting people know that he is king. First time he's done this. He hasn't done it before because he knew if he did it, it would create this, like uh, N.T. Ray called it, the perfect storm. Jenny, you remember the story of the perfect storm? It was literally about um, a ship out on the northeast coast, a fishing ship, and this storm happened, and two, two storm fronts came together, and then a third one, a third hurricane came from, from the south, and this fishing ship, the Enola, what's it called? Enola Gay, was caught in the middle of this, and, then, and they had literally had 100-foot waves. Can you imagine that 100-foot waves that they were running into? And so they ended up sinking, and, and it was called the perfect storm. And in some ways, what Jesus is riding into is a perfect storm. He's got Rome on this side, and they're trying to basically take all the land that they can because they've got this huge population. They don't have enough food. They need the grain and the rice from Egypt. And the only path through there is Israel. You've got Israel who's rebelling against Rome, wanting Rome not to be there. We don't want you to be here. And so the world was in turmoil. It was an immense turmoil. And then you've got the, the wild card. You've got God and Jesus. And you never know what God's going to do, do you? We think we do. We pray. We ask. And they thought they knew what, what God was going to do. They thought, okay, if this guy is the king, he's going to come, and he's going to deal with Rome, and he's going to establish Israel, and he's going to build his kingdom, and he's going to do all these things, and he's going to make, you know, he's, he's going to overthrow the oppressors and deal with evil. They're evil. The problem being is that... that that isn't really what they needed. A lot of us, you know, we come in on Sunday and we think, okay, this is God, this is what I really need. You know, when I was, when I was um, younger, I was like, God, I really need that girl. She's really cute. I think it's your will for me to have her. You know? Or I really need this God. And I, and I, I can't tell you how many times I'm... I'm I'm thankful that God didn't give me what I thought I really needed. You know? Sometimes it's a gift to not get what you need. Or what you want, not what you need. It's like the old song, you can't always get what you want, but get what you need. 
And that's really what God does. And what the people wanted was a certain type of king. But the problem was that certain type of king that they wanted, they wanted Jesus to be formed in their image. And the one thing God never does and the one thing Jesus does is never allows us to form him into our image. You know, we ask and we pray for things. And one of the things that God does is he does above and beyond all that we can ask or think. He does, we ask for this, and sometimes he gives us this. And you know what? It's always better and more and right on for what we really need. It would be like, like one writer says, that what God gives us when we ask is what we would give ourselves if we knew what he knows. Do you understand that? If we knew what God knows, we would give ourselves what, you know. So, anyway, so going back, he's the intentional confrontational king. And what do I mean by that? I mean that he's, he's intentionally revealing who he is for the first time in three, three years of ministry. Why? Because his hour has come. This whole time, they kept speaking about, you know, people would go and try and proclaim, hey, I think he's the Messiah, and Jesus would go, shh, quiet, don't tell people. And, he, and they would say, why? And he said, because my hour has not yet come. What's, what's his hour? His hour is when the culmination of that perfect storm would come together. Rome, Israel, and God. And something would happen that would tr completely transform the course of history and transform the course of our lives through that perfect storm. Way back in Genesis, there's a guy named Jacob. And before he died, he blessed all of his sons and he gave them a prophetic word. And this is really interesting. So this is what the people of Israel are, are remembering. This is in their consciousness. Because they had heard this from the time they were little. And this had happened thousands of years before Jesus was born and before they were sitting in this parade situation. Then Jacob called his sons together. This is in Genesis 49. He said, gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. And he goes through a couple sons. And then he comes to Judah. And Jesus is considered from the tribe of Judah. And he said, the scepter will not depart from Judah. The scepter being the rulership, the leadership, the kingdom. My kingdom will be with Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until he to whom it belongs shall come. Wow. This is this is being spoken like 2,000 years before Jesus comes. Until whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations will be his. And listen to this. And he will tether his donkey to a vine. And his colt to the choicest branch. And he will wash his garments in wine. And his robe in the blood of grapes. And his eyes will be darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. <coughs> 2,000 years before Jesus comes. They're waiting for somebody. And they know it has something to do with the donkey and the colt. And they know it has something to do with the, with the ruler 
at this point they had put together some stories about this is going to be a ruler that's going to come and make things right. He's going to be like King David. He's going to be like, in, in, our, in our mythos, he's going to be like King Arthur. You know? The once and future king. And Jesus brings people to that point where they have to begin to recognize that he is not just a man. He's not just a prophet in spite of what some of the people were saying then. But he's the king. He's the king. Have you come to realize yet that Jesus is, is, not, is our friend. He's, he's an amazing friend. That he's amazingly kind. He's amazingly gracious. But that he's also the king. When I came to Christ, one of the things I didn't want to do or the, one of the things that kept me from coming to Christ is I knew that if I came to him that I had to surrender my own lordship. I had, up to that point, been my own king. Any of you have ever been your own king? Yeah. I was my own king. My mom would do, she didn't say it in these exact words, but she would from time to time remind me, she would go, so, Grant, how's that working? When I was, you know, puking in the toilet from a massive hangover. Grant, how's that working for you, being your own king? Like, that's great. Awesome, having a great time here. But when I came to Jesus, I just began to realize I need to surrender everything to him. I need to say, I need to say, God, I don't, my morality, my sexuality, my, how I, what I think about people, how I care about people, now you, you are the king that, that directs and guides that. I shared the story about Teresa, how she was, at the time, she was dating this other guy and me, which I thought was horrible. A horrible idea. I just thought it wasn't okay. I'm like, you can't date two people. She goes, we're not married. I'm like, it's not okay. It's like, I wasn't even a Christian at that point. And she wasn't really super following God. But, you know, she's like, she's like yeah, you can. And I'm like, you know, I was supposed to be the rebel and the rowdy one. You know, I was the old drug dealer. I was the old, you know, all that stuff. She was like this nice girl. And I'm like, you're dating two guys. Who does that? You know? Nice little Teresa. She's not here. She's not here. She can't throw things at me. This is awesome. I like that. Oh, she is here. <laughs> Teresa's really cool. She's awesome. She is the most amazing lady. She, she can't see with her new glasses on, so it's one of you is going to get hit in the head with something. But anyway, in that process, one of the things that happened is she was coming to see me one day, and she said, God, I don't know what to do. So the guy's name was, we won't mention his name, but it started with an R and it ended with an E. Read. Oh, wait, I said it. Um, but anyway, he, um, she was praying. She's saying, Lord, what should I do? And, and she felt like God, in the middle of all that, said, why should I tell you? Because you're going to go do whatever you want anyway. And that was the beginning of her understanding of God's lordship in her life. She was beginning to grasp it. And she said, okay. And she turned around. 
she went the other way and she came a few days later came and said, you know what? I don't think I'm supposed to be with you. And she felt like she was supposed to go back to this other person and, you know, say, hey, if you still want to get married, they had been kind of engaged until I came along. Um, okay. And, you know, that, that was really, really hard on her. It was really hard on me. But you know what happened is she began to trust and obey God is that it led me to Christ. Her breaking up with me brought me into a relationship with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Listening to God can be pretty significant in our lives. We don't know, sometimes he calls us to do things that are kind of hard. To give up something that we don't want to give up, some practice that we want or don't want to change. We realize sometimes when we do, it doesn't just affect us. Sometimes it has a profound effect on other people. And for me, it was a time when I had to do some deep soul searching. God had taken away every crutch in my life. And it was a time when I finally came to that point of saying yes to Jesus. And when I said yes to him, I was amazingly surprised by joy. I thought it was going to be all bell drums. Okay, here come the rules, here comes the rule book. It wasn't. It was an amazing touch of joy in my life. So first point is that he's the intentional confrontational thing. He brings us to a place where we need to answer that question. Who is he? Who is he? C.S. Lewis puts it like this, and I love this. It's an older quote, but it's, it's, still, it's still amazing. He says, I'm trying to prevent someone, anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. People often say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't want to accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say, that he's just a great moral teacher. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, because Jesus said some pretty radical things. Have you ever read the Bible and read about what he says about himself? He pushes us. Jesus pushes us to have to decide, who is he? He says, he, when, when the religious leaders ask him and say, are you saying that you're greater than our father Abraham? He says, before Abraham was, I am. You know the only other person in scripture who said, I am, whom I am? God. Jesus claiming divinity there. A great moral teacher does not claim to be God. Jesus is claiming to be God. And C.S. Lewis goes on and says this. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell, or else he is who he said he was. You must make that choice. And this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. You can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us, and he does not intend to. Wow. So first of all, 
He's a very intentional, confrontational thing. Confrontational in the sense that he doesn't, he doesn't let us get by with just saying, well, he's a pretty nice guy. He's God. Secondly, he's, he's, he's not only God and the king, but he is a lowly king. He's the kind of king that nobody's ever heard of and never seen. We've been doing a study last week. We did a study on Philippians 2, which says that we're supposed to have the mind of God and that though he was in the form of God, he did not come grasping. He didn't, he didn't take advantage of his position. He didn't use his privilege to benefit himself. He used his privilege. He didn't have, he didn't have white privilege. He had God privilege. And guess what God does? God uses his privilege to what? To serve. And that's not just something God does once in a while. This is the very nature of who God is. You know what God is like? He's like Jesus. What does Jesus do? Right before Jesus is about to march into Jerusalem, which we think of as this big celebration, for Jesus it was a march to his death. It was a funeral march. It was a funeral parade. He was going to die. And he knew it. But he goes in in this amazingly humble way. Just like he was born in an amazingly humble way. He's an amazingly humble God for amazingly broken people. If he's this high and mighty God, we don't feel like we're accessible. But he's not. He's a lowly and humble God. And right before, he's, when he's coming into Jerusalem, there's these two guys screaming out, and they say, Son of David, have mercy on us. And normally, Jesus, when people would call him Son of David, didn't respond to it because it meant that he was what? King. For them, that meant king. But this time he does. He says, what do you want me to do for you? They're blind. What do you think? But he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? He said, teacher, we want to see. It says Jesus was filled with compassion. And he healed them. On his way to death, he heals these blind men. If I knew I was going to die, and people were calling me up and asking me for things, I mean, I would hope that I would still be praying and serving for people. But I probably wouldn't. I'd probably be going OCD on like my death somehow, I don't know. I hope that by the time I get older, mature, like Jesus, he was only 30, I hope that I get to that place where if I'm on my way to my death and somebody says, hey, could you pray for me? I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. He's the lowly king. This was to take, um, this took place to fulfill what was spoken again, another prophetic word through the prophet. Say to your daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, humble, riding on a donkey and on the foal of a donkey. And that happened once in a while with kings, but it meant that they were coming in peace. They weren't coming as this victorious, conquering war hero. He didn't come to overthrow Rome. He didn't come to overthrow that evil, that was evil. That oppression was evil. 
There's a great prophecy that goes with this. It says, Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. And again, this is, this is prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus. Your king comes to you righteous and victorious, ride lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots, chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken, and he will pr- proclaim peace to the nations, and he will ex- his will, rule will extend from sea to sea. What rule? The rule of grace and mercy and humility. That's what kind of God you serve. There's a great poem that was written during World War One when mustard gas was being used and there was death everywhere. And I don't I can't remember the exact name of the, the author of it, but he writes this If we have never sought thee, we seek thee now. Your eyes burn through the dark, ours only stars. We must have sight of thorn pricks on your brow. We must have you, O Jesus, of the scars. The heavens frighten us. They're too vast. In all the universe, we have no place. We're frightened of eternity. We're frightened of dying. We're frightened of life. We're frightened of death. And in all the universe, we feel like we don't fit. We don't have a place. Our wounds are hurting us. Where is thy balm? Lord Jesus, by thy scars, we claim thy grace. By thy scars, we claim thy grace. If when the doors are shut, Thou drawest near, only reveal those hands, that side of thine. We know today what wounds are, have no fear, show us your scars, thy scars. We know the countersign. All of the gods were strong, but you were weak. They rode, but you did stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but you alone. There's only one God who understands what we go through. And it's Jesus of the scars. There's only one who can carry the burdens and the sin and the wounds of broken humanity. And that's Jesus of the scars. Jesus is coming in as the coming king. But he's a lion who's a lamb. Read Revelation sometime. They look on the throne and they're asking, where's the lion of Judah? And they see a lamb as if it was slain. Oh, Jesus of the scars, would you be mine? Don't we have an amazing God? All the world's rulers rage and shout and use their power. Jesus is the king of weakness. He comes in weakness. 
for a weak people. He comes in brokenness for a broken people. He comes in a hopeless, hopelessness for a hopeless people. He comes for you and I. And last of all, so he's the humble king. He's the paradoxical king. He's not the king we need, we want, but he's the king we need. When they're singing Hosanna to the son of David, they're saying, Lord, come save now. Deliver us from Rome. Deliver us from this present circumstance. Fix this present circumstance. I used to, when I was kind of newer in my Christian thing and I was going to college, and I'd have a, like a bunch of finals. And, and any of you have been in college, some of you have. You know how somehow finals and your grades are like, I gotta keep my grade. You know, I gotta keep that. I gotta stay on the D honor roll, no matter what it takes. <laughs> and I used to think, this is literally, I used to think this. I was just kind of a new Christian. I thought, you know, when I'd have a big test and I wasn't sure I was going to do very good at it, I think. Jesus, it would be a really good time for you to come back now. <laughs> Jesus is going, really, man? Like, like for your test? Like, so what, Jesus, why did you move everything forward in time? Uh, Brent had a test. <laughs> Sorry. They wanted a parochial God who would save locally. But what Jesus does is he goes to the root of what we really need. And I believe that we can ask God for whatever we want, whatever we feel we have a need for. And I believe that he will answer us, but he won't always answer us in the way we desire. They were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, and he let him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save us, save now, deliver us, be our deliverer. That's what Hosanna means. That's why we sing Hosanna. It means save us now from this present circumstance. And he often does. But you know what? In this case, he didn't save them from the Romans. He said that he saved them from something much greater. And we don't always think it's greater. We think salvation from the Romans would be the greatest thing to be delivered from because that's what they were living in. That was their present circumstance. Do you realize that Jesus doesn't always answer our present circumstance, but he answers our eternal need. And he has something way more and way better than we are asking for. Jesus is going, you're asking for a good thing, but you're not asking for a great thing. And I want to give you a great thing. And that's what he did. He came and he, he came to save all of humanity. And that brings me to kind of the same, in the same point. He came to restore all of creation realize there's going to come a day when it says in Isaiah 55 you will go forth in joy and be led forth in, in peace the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands and of, instead of thorn bushes will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow a farmer but I assume that's a good thing right <laughs> this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You're asking for an overthrow of the Romans. I'm going to give you singing mountains and, 
There's singing mountains and, and trees that are clapping their hands. I'm going to change all of creation. I'm going to make your whole world restored and new and complete. I'm going to give you a completely new being, a complete new body. We want to be healed. And I pray for healing. I pray for my friends. I pray for my friend Rochelle, whose dog was impacted and was there. The ball wasn't working, and I prayed for her one. And I'm always kind of surprised when stuff happens, you know, when I pray. But she said, right, a couple hours after I prayed for him, he started, started pooping. And I realized I, I have a supernatural gift of poop that can make people poop. So if you're having poop problems this morning, you come up and I will pray for you. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. He couldn't. Um, so, but the bottom line is, we better take that up again. Yeah, the whole world thing. We're gonna we're gonna have a big viewership. Right but the the bottom line is, he does care about us now, and he does care about our present needs. But you know what? Every one of you here, he's got some something so much bigger, so much grander, so much more. Amazing that we could never imagine. I had a vision many, almost a year ago now, of my dad coming to me. He looks young and vibrant, and I'm thinking, Dad, how can you, how can you be younger than me? You're my dad, and he's like, Friend, this is God's kingdom. And the way he kind of communicated it to me was like, Friend, you know nothing of the beauty that awaits you. So we have this paradoxical king. He comes not in the kind of power we think we need. He comes in humility. He comes in brokenness for broken people. He comes as Jesus of the scars. He becomes accessible to all of us who are full of scars. In fact, it says, by his wounds, what we are here. Some of you here today are trying to to be healed by your own wounds. That's not how it works. We get healed by the wounds that he took on himself. And you know what? He gladly did that. He became, during the time that Jesus was going into Jerusalem, they were going to celebrate Passover. And it's estimated there was somewhere around now, hopefully I won't get this totally wrong. There was something somewhere around 500 million tons of lamb. <laughs> Not really. I mean, there were, they figured there were probably 250,000 lambs that were, um, that were slaughtered during that time. And it, they were slaughtered as a, sim, a symbol of the blood that was put over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over the house. And here, riding into Jerusalem, was the one true Lamb of God who will be crucified once for all humanity and then next Sunday something really cool happens so I hope you come back so Father Jesus of the scars I wanted and I hope I conveyed today just the nature of your kingship that you're so gentle and you're so kind. 
And yet you, you call us, you, you don't give us a choice. We either have to receive you for who you really are or else live in deception. So I pray if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you or just thinks, well, Jesus was a nice guy, that you'd come and begin to work in their heart. Reveal yourself. Only you can do that, Lord. And I, and I pray this, the Jesus of the scars that, that we need because we're full of scars. Would you come and heal our wounds and our scars? Come and heal those who've gone through horrible divorces in the last few years. Come and heal those who, who are struggling with depression. Come and heal those who, who, have, who are wounded by family or friends earlier in life. Jesus of the scars, may we take all of our scars. I just have this picture. Many of you taking these scars that you've been wounded with from other people, from other things, from parents, from sexual abuse, from wounds, taking all these scars and offering them up to Jesus of the scars. No one, no God has wounds for thee alone. No one understands the wounded for thee alone. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you would like, we would love to pray for you. We, we have a history and a tradition of praying for anybody who needs prayer for anything. Please come on up. If you don't know this Jesus of the scars, come on and pray. God bless. Come and join us on Good Friday.